There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Folding Warehouse, Ipsy, Ann Arbor. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. If there's something strange in your neighborhood, who you gonna call? A very happy Halloween today. I see you come dressed up as your character for the fourth year running, a media relations representative. That is right, a character indeed. I hope everybody has a fabulous day out there. Happy Halloween, everybody. We hope that your uh, day is filled with lots of treats, maybe not so many tricks, a lot of good candy laying around, Greg. Oh, I can't wait. Tonight's always the big night. My wife, Kathy, always does a spectacular job with the Halloween costume for our dog, Cooper. I was just going to say, what is Cooper's costume this year? Are you willing to give us a little bit of a, a sneak peek or at least a hint of what he's going to be? All I can say is she's been sewing all last week <laughs> to make his costume. It's headgear, and he's bringing, reusing a little of a previous costume that okay. you helped provide. Okay, so getting a little thrifty with it, that's okay, yeah. that's good. Kathy always does a great job. Um, it is Halloween, and you'll have some trick-or-treaters tonight. The weather, I think, is going to clear up a little bit. So yeah, it's not great, but it's, it's not get great, better. but it's kind of got that eerie, gray, foggy feeling, which makes Halloween more Halloween. Kind of like Saturday's was gray kinda, right until kickoff. Yeah, well, it's gray all the time in the factory with the with the turf. But um, here's the question I got for you because you have. Uh, you you have a, a good house. You are in a neighborhood that gets a lot of trick or treaters. I don't get that, so it's a little different for me. 
for you, is it better when the weather's worse because you know you're going to get less trick-or-treaters and then have extra candy laying around, or do you prefer to get it out of the house? It depends. One, the dog may stroke out from all the kids ringing the doorbell <laughs> because he charges and races towards it. It's also good because it means less candy in our house. We have the big Costco bag of Snickers and Reese's and all that, and then Kathy has to add to it and supplement with more chocolate because it doesn't always hit her fancy. So we've got a lot of chocolate. And as you know, I am not a big connoisseur of chocolate. Well, maybe I will ring your doorbell then tonight uh, and take some of that extra candy off your hands. It is Halloween, so we hope if you are going out with your young ones and trick-or-treating that you do so in a safe manner. Have a great time. It's one of the fun holidays we get to participate in. Not in costume today, though. As you mentioned, we will have to ask Coach Creighton we do annually what his what maybe some of his best Halloween costumes were. That'll be your job in your interview with him today. Last year, I remember he said, I think he was R2-D2 from yes. Star Wars. So we have to get a different maybe question for him this year, something Halloween related. So we'll do that with his interview coming up. Greg, we're not going to do a rundown today because there wasn't a whole lot of action. We're just going to talk about it here. But a few key points from last week that we did have. First and foremost, if uh, you were in town on Thursday, you may have attended the men's basketball exhibition against Grand Valley State. It was a great crowd. Anybody who came out, I know that on behalf of the athletic department, thank you for doing so. It was a lot of energy in the uh, George Griffin game above center. And Eastern Michigan struggled a little bit at first, as you would expect for an exhibition. But man, by the end, they were really clicking uh, and got a pretty good and impressive win against Grand Valley State. A lot of guys playing together really for the first time. They've had practice, but it's not the same as game action. So it's going to take a little getting used to. And let's not forget, Grand Valley is one of the top-ranked, actually the top-ranked team in all of Division II. So it's not like they were starting out with any old slouch team. So they played well. Grand Valley's on a big tour of, of games getting ready. Wayne State next week will be the real test when the bell rings. So Stan Heath worked out the bugs, knows where they're at, but you'd like to see what you got out of that. Monty Bates played well. Tyson Acuff played well. Noah Farrakhan played well. 27 points for Amani Bates. That led the team. A really impressive effort for everybody on the green and white. Rowing was supposed to go on Saturday morning. The fog canceled that event. We're still waiting to hear if they'll reschedule it. Greg, volleyball had a pair of matches at Buffalo and at Akron. Lost on Friday night, but went to a fifth set on Saturday and emerged victorious to Darcy Dorton's crew trying to fight late down the stretch. Krista Blakely had 18 points against Akron. That Ties her career high, so a good match for her and a good effort by the volleyball team. And then football on Saturday, Greg, a really tough game against Toledo. Let's leave it at that, 27-24, a fourth and 10. Toledo converted on with just about two minutes left in the game. Eastern Michigan was up most of the game, and that was for uh, the battle for first place in the MAC West Division. Unfortunately, Eastern Michigan doesn't come out on top. They won't play this week. We have a little bit of a, a mini-buy as we head into action for next week. Next Tuesday is our next game against the University of Akron. Tough one on Saturday, Greg. Uh, crowd was good, though, and um, a lot of soul-searching to do for Eastern Michigan football. There's still a lot ahead of them. There is, but you look, it also proves that you've – I, I hate to be that guy, but they've closed the gap with Toledo. Uh, the last three years have shown that Eastern can go neck-and-neck neck with the Rockets – this is after nearly two decades of just getting your lunch handed to you each time you played the Rockets. So now it, it's building steps. I know there's no moral victories, but again, you like the fight that Eastern Michigan had, getting a lot of people back 
after they'd not been healthy. The defense, again, plays well. It's just one play here or there. But for three quarters, Eastern dominated that football game, and that's what leaves a harsh taste in your mouth. It's a, it's a tough one. It's a, it's a feeling that none of us liked on Saturday. If you're a fan listening at home, we know that it was upsetting for you. Coach was certainly upset. The players upset. We're upset. The good news is, Greg, and again, um, you know, maybe there are no moral victories. However, I do think it's fair to say that to have a feeling like we did on Saturday, you have to be able to play in games like we did on Saturday, right? And for a long, long time at Eastern Michigan, the fact is there wasn't many meaningful games uh, coming into the month of November, a battle for first place, a battle for bowl eligibility. For a long time, that those games just didn't happen. They're happening now. Now, it's still on Coach Creighton and the team to get over the hump. They're going to do that. That's not for us to, to assess. He'll talk about it today in his press conference and with you in an interview coming up on this very show. But you're in that position, and I still think you have to credit the student-athletes for how hard they fought because that was a really hard-fought game, and they played well. The MAC as a whole, again, week in and week out, has become so difficult. There are four teams, Alex, in MAC that have had five games decided by a single score. Usually we're talking about Eastern leading the conferences that they don't. They're, they're right now fifth most in terms of getting one possession games. So, uh, again, there just shows that there's not much m- room for error. Eastern and Akron, who's the Eagles' next opponent, both have four games decided by a touchdown or more. So no gimme coming up next week against the Zips, who are much improved, uh, but they still are looking for their first conference victory of just one and eight. We'll have a full preview on the Akron game next Monday on the show ahead of the press uh, ahead of the game on Tuesday. Uh, Greg, we also should mention that cross-country championships in the MAC were on Saturday as well. Both the men's and women's team were in Athens, Ohio. They raced to compete for a MAC championship. Unfortunately, uh, the men's team could not pull out yet another victory. They finished third, same on the women's side. Hard-fought races, full results from those races can be found at emueagles.com. But uh, it's no surprise a, a top three finish for both of those programs. That's what we're accustomed to. Of, we've actually become accustomed to just bringing home the trophy yep. every year, so it's tough when you don't. But valiant effort, good effort by a lot of the student athletes. Moving into this week, Greg, really a, a lighter week in a lot of sense, but some big things coming up in the next seven days or so. First and foremost, if you haven't been out to the George Griffin game above center yet, you have another chance on Wednesday, a free admission to the women's basketball exhibition. They'll take on Northwood University, 7 p.m. So if you haven't gotten in to see the new Hall of Fame, we had that ceremony on Friday. It was spectacular. You'll hear from TJ Lang in this episode. If you haven't been here to see that, if you haven't seen some of the upgrades, if you're looking for a free way to have some family fun Wednesday night against Northwood, the women's basketball team is there. Then it's really road events uh, for for the weekend. Greg, volleyball's on the road at Western Michigan. There's some things going on around different campuses, but I think we should talk more about what's coming next Monday. Yeah, the big thing next Monday will be the basketball season gets underway officially. Women's basketball takes on uh, they take on Lindenwood beginning at 5 p.m. in the George Gervin game above center, and then that'll be followed up by men's basketball hosting. Wayne State at 7.30 or roughly a half hour after the women's games end. Make sure to come, cheer loud, but also know that this year will be slightly different for doubleheader games. Seating is reserved. You, They'll ask you to move and re-clear the arena between games, but a uh, big night coming up on Monday the 7th. And then, just as importantly, 
on the 8th. It's EMU football at Akron, but it's also your time to do your civic duty. Get out and vote. That'll be the big message for the 8th. That is correct. Greg, uh, you mentioned men's basketball, women's basketball getting the season kicked off on Monday. It's being dubbed as the season premiere. It's going to be a green carpet style event, uh, just like you'd see in Hollywood. So bring your family out. There's going to be lots of fun things to do. When you get to the stadium, you'll be able to walk a green carpet. You'll be able to take pictures in a couple of different photo booths. Uh, there's plenty of giveaways, T-shirts, different uh, popcorn buckets, all those type of things. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Are my Heath bars coming back? I don't know. We have to see if the Stan Heath bar might be coming back. Um, and then one of your projects, the video boards that have been changed out, really do make it an unbelievable atmosphere. I think the best way to describe it, now at the George Griffin Game Above Center with the new court, the lighting, the video boards, everything, it's like an NBA production on a smaller scale, so it's a little bit more intimate, but a really, really high value for your uh, entertainment and for your dollars. So good chance to come out next week and do that. We already mentioned it a little bit uh, in precursor in some of the, the talk we've had today, but this episode we still have a couple of great interviews. Coach Creighton will assess the Toledo game. He'll talk a little bit about Halloween, and Greg and him might get into a little bit of the Akron matchup and some of the things that happen during a bye week because it does change the way the schedule operates for this week. So if you're interested in that, Greg will have Coach Creighton. And then Tom Helmer, voice of our EMU athletic programs here. He sat down, had a great conversation with TJ Lang. He went into the Hall of Fame on Friday night along with Autumn Bragg, Carl Lowe, and Kerry Gould Hatfield. Congratulations to all of them. Another great ceremony on Friday night. But TJ joins Tom for a great set of audio there. So lots of things we've covered today, Greg. Your final pitch to get everybody out next to Monday. It's going to be a big one. Well, we need you out. We also want you to come out. So you can just experience game day like none other before that you've had at EMU. If you can't, Alex and I will have full coverage on WEMU 89.1 as he'll join Tom for women's basketball next week. I'll have men's coverage with you as well. And as always, you can catch Ryan Woolley and Justin Rose on the television side on ESPN. So whether you're here or not, no excuse not to stay up to date with all things Eastern Michigan, radio, TV, in person or online, visit emueagles.com for scores, highlights, so much more, or follow your favorite teams on social media. That's enough plugs for us. Let's uh, get this commercial taken care of. We've got some sponsors that want to tell you some great things about them, and then we'll get you right into the action. You're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast. Chris Creighton on the other side of this break. Whether you're in the D or out at sea, we always bring you the E on the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. The Eastern Insider Podcast. In a game that was billed as one of the biggest in Rydearson Stadium history in a long, long time, certainly lived up to the billing, but it was Toledo that walked away with the end victory in the end, joined by head coach Chris Creighton. Games like that, I know you have the, the, the 24-hour rule, but Alex and I, we live it, you live it every day. It's hard on games like that to, to just flush it after 24 hours, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, that was a big game, and, you know, we all put <clears throat> a lot into it and came up, you know, on the uh, three-point short. Uh, definitely a tough one uh, to swallow and – I think, th thankfully, you know, we have a couple extra days. So, you know, talked to the team last night. It was very quiet, you know, somber team um, that we have a couple of days, you know, to digest it and whatever, move forward. And so 
Um, when we get rolling again, you know, Thursday afternoon, we'll shake some of the rust off and full attention to Akron and getting ready to play great football next Tuesday night. One of the benefits was you were able to get a lot of guys back in that game who hadn't played the week before against Ball State. Notably, Samson Evans has a, a good game right on his average at 98 contests on the ground. Jose Ramirez comes back, has a sack, continues mm. to lead the country in sacks. How do you think some of those guys responded at, at coming back after that week off? Oh, man, they they worked their tails off to try to get, you know, ready for Ball State. And, you know, many of them just, you know, weren't able to, uh, most of them, and then just continued to, to work really, really hard to try to get back for Toledo. And, you know, we got a, a good chunk of those guys back. And, you know, they weren't necessarily at 100%. Not, not that anybody is at this time, but, you know, we're thankfully able to go. And, and you mentioned a couple of guys who had, you know, good games. Defensively, again, the defense for the fifth straight week stood to the test, holding Toledo well below their average. It was also the first time in 18 consecutive games that Toledo did not find the end zone via rushing touchdown. Defensively, this team's taken steps. What were you most proud of defensively? You know, we haven't played everybody in the league, but, I mean, this is a, a really talented, fast uh, group of receivers. Um, and, you know, we knew that uh, and their backs are, are super talented, too, and knew that we, we play a lot of man-to-man and, and so ha- had to try to, you know, hold up um, in that way. A couple of wrinkles and in the front with how we were going to try to stymie their run. And so I was proud that, uh, you know, that it worked. I, I think our, again, our staff has worked really hard to, you know, in game planning and in um, just making adjustments um, week to week, putting a lot of pressure on our secondary. They're coming through. It's not perfect. It's not going to be, you know, you're going to give up, but we, I think we gave up in our calculations defensively and four explosives only want to give up three a game. Um, but, you know, they, they definitely gave us a chance to win. On special teams, it was Mitchell Tomasek picking up Mac Special Teams Player of the Week for the third time this year. He continues to lead the Mid-American Conference in punting. He's 10th nationally in there. Could you have thought of a better replacement for Jake Julian than what he's been so far? Yeah, he's he's really doing well. Uh, he, he really is. Uh, really, really proud of him and proud of the, you know, Coach, Coach Sewell coordinating our special teams and um, uh, Coach Kersner and Coach Stokes and you know, those guys um, work hard to put good schemes together. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, Mitchell, uh, you know, here it is. We've played nine games now, you know, so it wasn't just, uh, you know, the first game, you know, got a hold of one. Uh, he's really, really been consistent. I don't want to say it's a pleasant surprise, but I think I've mentioned before that we just really felt as though it was going to be really hard to expect for someone to just step right in and to keep, you know, our punt team where we left off. Mitchell's really, really done as good of a job as you can possibly do. Well, I think it also should be complimented Coach Sewell stepping into that role after Coach Nunez leaves and, and goes to Oklahoma. You could have a step back just with change. And if anything, those guys have kept it and maybe ratcheted up the intensity a little bit more. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's gone really, really, really well. Um, you know, our our kickoff return um, unit is really, really doing well. Yeah. Um, I mean, they only brought one kickoff um, back out, you know, um, on Saturday. Yeah. Our, you know, our kickoff unit's been good. And, Kickoff return's been exceptional. Punt's been really good. And, you know, we haven't uh, blocked a punt 
not a significant, you know what I mean, uh, or a return or anything like that yet. But um, our field goal kicking has been really, really good. So I think overall the, the culture of our special teams has continued to climb. Alongside Coach Creighton, it's that weird transition from Saturday football to midweek football, a few more days than normal. It gets you a chance to, to give some guys some rest, but it also a chance for you to get out on the road a little bit. Do you like this transition because it kind of lets you get away from football and focus on recruiting for a few days and then get back to it? Does that help recharge the batteries a little? It, it does, but not in a traditional way. Like, I think we we would all really like both staff and players, you know, and the players are, you know, they still have school. So, yeah. but, you know, to, to have an actual day off, but it just really doesn't lend itself to that, you know, cause we need to, to be recruiting and on the road recruiting. And so I do feel as though the change, we, our routine, just like anybody, you know, who's coaching college football, I mean, you, you know, whatever, you know, Wednesday at 7.59 AM, they're doing the same thing yeah. at, Wednesday, 7.59 a.m. every week. And so that change in schedule, you know, I'm getting to get on a plane and have a couple hours, you know what I mean, just to get your thoughts together and, you know, all of those things that are going to be different. And I think we'll definitely get recharged um, that way. And then, you know, again, it's a schedule change for the players. Um, And I'm, you know, I'm already... I already know, I shouldn't say I'm already excited about getting back with everybody on Thursday and Friday. And we, we want these days, but I, I just know when we get back together, it's going to be a, have a good feel to it. You get to play an Akron team that's much improved from a year ago. Last year, 42-14, Eastern Michigan knocks off Akron. But this year, the Zips have played in four one-score games. They're, they're much different than they have been. Uh, what, I know you're still diving into the game plan, but what do you expect out of an Akron club this year? Um, we we expect to see a a extremely well coached football team that you know the staffs in the first year that um, you know has not declined at all. You know, despite the record, I think people look at that, but I mean they're playing better and better every week. They, they mentioned all the one score games that they've been in um, recently. Uh, quarterback that uh, is just tearing everybody up. I mean, they're, they've lost, I don't know if it's the last two games or whatever, but they've out outgained their opponent by like over 100 yards. Um, and so a very, very dangerous offense and, and a defense that say gives you a little bit of everything. But yeah, it's, it's multiple fronts, multiple coverages. And again, uh, just a defensive coordinator that's that's really bright and, and really effective. One of the things they've struggled with, you look at it, time of possession, really strong, but they have struggled with fumbles. They've had 18 of them losing 11 this year, something that hopefully your defense can take credit for. One of the, since we won't talk to you next week, you'll be getting ready to go, but it's a game on election night, uh, similar to 2016 when your team punched its bowl ticket for the first time. Do you have a conversation with your guys about before going and their civic duty and it's election day and, and taking part into in all that that goes along with elections and, and voting? We have not, like recently in the last uh, couple of days, um, so I'm glad you said that. Uh, we have in the last couple of years, yeah. um, you know, absolutely, but you may be reminding me <laughs> that there's a life and world outside of, right. you know, what we do. So thank you for that. 
No, happy to do it. Uh, last question, we'll get you out of here. We talked last year about Halloween, and you said one of your favorite costumes was when you dressed up as a Star Wars character. You were R2-D2, if I remember correctly. As a kid, as yeah. As a kid, yes. As a kid. If you could be back in time and pick any of other Halloween outfit outside of that to repeat, what might it be? Well, sticking with Star Wars, so as a kid, my dad made a cardboard R2-D2 okay. deal, which was awesome. Yep. When my son was born, he was born on June 28th. And uh, never forget, we were at Wabash and we had a practice. It was Halloween night. And uh, uh, a family friend made a Luke Skywalker <laughs> costume for him. Um, and so I coached the practice as Darth Vader. Um, Luke, I am your father. So that was uh, that was a memorable Halloween for me. There'll be no Snickers at the Creighton household tonight. Alex and I will be consuming them for you. <laughs> Someday. Coach, we appreciate your time. Best of luck. Enjoy uh, the travels on the road. Safe trip. And then we'll catch up with you next week in InfoCision Stadium. Sounds good. There he is, head coach Chris Creighton. We'll be back on the Eastern Insider right after this. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room. And that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. TJ, Hall of Famer. Mm. How does that sound? <laughs> uh, man, it's... Um... I don't think it's sunk in yet, to be honest with you. I mean, I heard the news back in the summer at the uh, Eastern Golf Outing, and, and they surprised me, and Coach Creighton dumped some water over me. And, and at the time, you know, I was surrounded by a bunch of uh, former teammates, and we got to celebrate. But even uh, even with the ceremony and everything, it was uh, – it, it just didn't – I don't think it's sunk in yet, you know. And I kept coming into, coming into the night and thinking about the speech and um, – you know, I was just overtaken by emotions. I mean, you're looking around at the facilities and the, and the field and, and all the former greats that were in the audience. And it was just like, wow, man, like this is a uh, this is a, a tremendous honor to be able to join join this group of, of former players and not only football players, all athletes, you know, and getting to share the class with with Kerry with, uh, and with Carl um, and, and what they've accomplished. I mean, it was just a uh, it was honestly like cloud nine. I mean, it really was. I felt like a kid uh, standing up there and, and watching some old highlights. And, and even when we walked into the building, uh, you know, I think the picture on the wall was from maybe 2007. And my kids now are uh, 11, 6, and 4. And they all looked at the picture and they were like, Dad, that's you. <laughs> I'm, like, that, I'm like, come on now. That wasn't that long ago, you know. But um, just a tremendous honor. Anytime, I mean, anytime you, you get an award like that or an induction, I think the first thing that stood out was I, I couldn't have done that alone. You know, I had tremendous teammates. I had tremendous coaches. I had tremendous uh, support from my uh, family and my friends. And uh, just reflecting on all that and reflecting on the journey really made it emotional. And it was, uh, it was just uh, it was an outstanding night. I know it meant a lot to you, and your mother was sitting there watching, yeah, and she said yeah. she pretty much started crying the moment she hit the door tonight, uh, and, and how much it meant to her, yeah. and and really, and the weight room, and what you've done uh, for your late dad, and everything like yeah. that, it's just, it really is a family affair. No, it was, and I think that, you know, my mom, and, and even my sister, who's a little couple years older than me, um, as soon as we walked into the building together, you know, I saw them both kind of tearing up and 
you know, I was asking them what was going on. You know, this is a great night. And, uh, you know, they said, man, we drove by the parking lot. We used to tailgate all the time with your dad. And, you know, he, he we lost my dad in 2012. I mean, it was 10 years ago. And uh, he was just so supportive, supportive of me and my journey here at Eastern Michigan. I mean, he was just such a huge fan. And that just brought back a lot of emotions. You know, I know my mom and my sister uh, haven't been back on campus since I played football. And the last time I played football, my dad was still around, you know, right. so that for them coming back uh, without my dad, I think, yeah, it definitely hit hit on a lot of different emotions. Um, but that's, you know, I, I talked uh, in the speech a little bit. I talked about hard work. I talked about dedication. I talked about uh, commitment and, and what it takes to really be successful. And that for me was a big part of why I chose to name uh, that facility you know, across the field, that, that weight room after my father, because he really instilled all those in me. He, he taught me uh, the value of hard work. He taught me the value of being loyal and being dedicated and committed to what you do and just continue to uh, work hard every single day. So for me, that was, uh, that was a no-brainer, but I, I was just so happy that uh, I got to share this moment with so many special people, and my mom and sister are definitely at the top of that list. We're talking about T.J. Lang, and there's one story I do want you to share from your speech, and that was how everybody kept telling you you couldn't do stuff, yeah. and it led to you ending up at Eastern Michigan. Yeah, it did. I, I, I remember, um, gosh, even back to high school, you know, I started off at uh, Lakeland High School. Uh, I moved, you know, halfway through my sophomore year back in with my dad, and we started talking about, you know, I had some family and friends at Brother Rice, which was obviously a powerhouse. Uh, football program. And, uh, you know, I remember telling some of my old coaches, you know, I want to go to Brother Rice. And, you know, a couple of them were like, you know, I don't think you should go there. You know, you're probably not going to play there. They're a really good football program. And, you know, quite frankly, you're not a very good football player. <laughs> and uh, I took that to heart. I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to, yeah, you know, I, that wasn't my complete motivation, but it was like, all right, you know, let's, let, let's see, you know, we'll see. And, you know, just kept working hard and ended up uh, playing at Brother Rice and starting at Brother Rice and being an All-State player. Um, fast forward, you know, I remember the same coach, you know, told me, well, you know, less than 1% of high school players going to play college and blah, blah, blah. You know, so you should probably think about what you want to do in the future because you're probably not going to play college football. And I was like, okay, you know, we'll see, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Eastern Michigan came knocking and and uh, really gave me my only chance to to continue my college football or my my football career. Uh, by giving me a chance to play here at Eastern. And once I did that, it was, well, you know, less than 1% make it to the next level. You know, and you might want to think about what you're, what are you majoring in? You know, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I want to keep trying to play football, you know? And once I did that, it was like, okay, well, you know, the average career is two and a half years in the NFL. You know, you might want to think about <laughs> what's next. And it was like, okay, you know, and 10 years later, I was sitting there saying, man, that really worked out for me. Now I didn't use that as my full motivation uh, there's a lot of players that carry a big chip on their shoulder of, you know, whether it's dropping in the draft, whether it's not going to the college they want to. Uh, for me, I definitely used it as motivation. Um, but at the same time, it was never about proving other people wrong. It was always about proving myself right, because I always believed in myself. I always believed that uh, as long as I put in the work, as long as I stay passionate and dedicated and committed to what I want to do, I'm going to be able to achieve those goals. And so for me, it just, uh, it really came full circle, <laughs> you know, just reflecting on all those moments about those people telling me I can't do it. 
And now I look back and I say, you know, 10 year vet in the NFL, Super Bowl champion, two time Pro Bowl. And I say, you know what, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm actually thankful for people and I'm grateful for people that told me that that was impossible because it only made me work that much harder. And uh, for me, it's uh, I'm not bitter about it at all. I'm actually I'm actually grateful that people uh, challenged me in a sense to say you can't do this. And I took a lot of pleasure in improving myself. Right. TJ, we're so happy for you. Congratulations I on your Hall of Fame it. induction. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. TJ Lang. This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.